Oh, I already had that button pressed. Here's the other button. Talk Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Test episode 166 recorded live July 18th, 2013. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson from the warm part of the great state of Michigan. Joining me this week, we have Mac, our dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. I'm keeping ice packs on my head, my body, and I'm functioning pretty good. Oh, that's awesome. And we also have, from not too far away, is Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm just great, thank you. Excellent. And as everybody can guess, we're, we're in that time of year where it is summer, and there's no better way to cool off than get in the water. And it makes me smile, because I think this is one of the few times where I actually might be a little bit more comfortable than those dry suit divers. <laughs> Until you get down to about 70 feet. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to test that one uh, coming out of, up this weekend if everything works out as planned. I have a solution for that. I did it today. Uh-oh. Oh, yes. Sh- should we tease that one for later or should we tell yeah. them? Yeah, no, no. We'll, we got to save that one for later. Okay, well, since we're all here and the chat room's hopping, uh, we got uh, Tweetin' uh, from the UK. We've got... Uh, Divers from Australia, we have South Carolina, Michigan, Traverse City, everybody all over. So excellent turnout. I'm I'm surprised with the with the warm weather and and I think we'll pick up a few if you you know we, we can give some people a a pass if you're listening to Divers Sync who happens to be recording right now that's okay but we expect you to come in as soon as that's over if you happen to be over there. He skunked us by about 30 minutes so yeah. he should he should be ending in about 10 minutes now. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First article up is a follow-up, and Mac, you, you, that first link was kind of finicky. Yeah, I can't open that one. Yeah, this, the second link kind of gets us the uh, gist of the article, and this is in Kentucky. Uh, they're offering a new scuba location. I think we've talked about this one a few times before. It's going to be offered at the Kentucky Park Greenboro State Park Resort is opening an area for scuba diving. And this is in the northeastern part of Kentucky. The opening ceremony for the two new attraction is this Saturday. The 10-acre scuba refuge will allow divers to use the lake April through October and other designated times from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Divers will register and pay a $12 daily fee. Safety guidelines have been set to warn boat traffic to stay away from this area while divers are present. The scuba area on average is about 25 feet deep. The state park is 18 miles north of Interstate 64 in the Grayson Exit or 8 miles south of U.S. 23. And then uh, somebody in the chat room is mentioning it's just outside Ashland, Kentucky. So excellent to well, see, a, see a new I location. I, I was going to say, I'd be very curious to know if anybody's been there yet and the condition of the bottom. I'm looking at that one picture. It looks like a gravel bottom. Uh, and, you know, I'm doing that the daily fee of $12. That's a little high for the areas that we dive. So I'm just curious, what are they getting for the money? Yeah, yeah. You know, the facilities uh, could make up for it if you've got a you know, really nice set of bathrooms and some other things. But like like you said, uh, like we, I think we're spoiled because Gull, uh, Gull Lake, 
that's that's kind of unusual to have something like that where as many as you can cram into a car is what seven bucks is that what it is there it was five bucks five bucks yeah, yeah. i mean how can you beat that even if it's one to a car free papa that's free <laughs> it's like 16 well papa yeah papa is free depending on where you can get in i guess well, there's no place around there that charges money. You either got the two boat accesses or you've got the, uh, basically the swimming access, fire lanes if you want to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's another one I've got to hit this year uh, with the sonar treatment, that being a little bit clearer than normal. Big difference. Big difference. Now, have you heard, are they going to continue that? Is that just a two-year thing or will that be a normal? Actually, actually they've uh, started the aeration program like they did over at Indian Lake. Uh-huh. And they're doing the sonar this year starting over in Little Pawpaw, which I'll be really curious to see, because uh, almost at least 50% of that is still wetlands. So the weeds on that one side, most people don't dive it because there's no goodies or trash to find. But if it cuts down the weeds on the habitable areas, that's going to improve the grubbing really, really well. In the chat room, they're saying that uh, down there they've got a great lodge on site, and they said they hope to put in an air fill in a small shop in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, I saw the, where it said resort park, and that's what I didn't know. What did they mean by resort park? And like you said, if you've got good bathrooms with doors and showers and a pavilion like, like we do down at Gull Lake that we can have our picnics, yeah, I, I can see a little bit of a fee there. Yeah. Well, what I'm thinking is this might be a little bit like in Indiana, the Potato Creek Park. Okay. That's, that's what I'm envisioning in my mind, which is uh, it's an other use park that – you happen to be able to go scuba diving at. So the, the fees really aren't set up for scuba divers. Uh, but this one looks like they had, they had to go through quite a bit of effort to get uh, diving approved there. Mm-hmm. Well, 25 feet deep, they're not going to have much of a thermocline. No, but that might be nice. If you're if you're a dive shop and you can find a nice local spot and be able to get some of that open water stuff out of the way, that's, that's going to be <clears> handy. Well, that's why I was asking if the bottom is gravel, like a lot of quarries, that, that would be an excellent for student tra- training. Yeah, I said it took five years to get uh, a fight to get that approved for diving. And it, it is a multi-use park. They've got horseback riding, fishing, hiking, camping, and some other stuff. So thank you for that information. Uh, next article is on the Concordia. Salvage crews are rushing to get their one chance to move the vessel. It's a year and a half after the shipwreck off Italy's coast. And they said the, the cruise ship has compressed up about 10 feet. And they said they really are only going to have one shot at uprighting it. Uh, Salone, an and engineer for U.S.-owned company Titan Salvage, said experts would have one chance to pull the ship upright and float it away to the mainland for demolition. The attempt will probably take place in mid-September. We cannot put it back down and start over. Hey, maybe it uh, <clears throat> might turn into a dive site after all. <laughs> we can hope. If they just do demolition, just open that baby up and sink it someplace and make it a dive site, an artificial reef program. Yeah. Well, the the the, uh, the local economy was worried that the the sunken vessel was going to kill them, but it's actually helped. Uh, all the construction people working on writing the vessel have been pouring money into the economy, and along with that, any hotels that overlook the wreck site have been booked solid with no vacancies. It's just, we've been following this now for a year, and we've looked at the time and money they spent in in the uh, attempt to get that baby stabilized and rotated over. Did they not anticipate the crushing impact of it laying on its side for the 
couple of years. It's, because it, the way it sounds here, it's like, oh, my God, now we've got to do something quick. Well, they were supposed to have already righted it, and they've been running into problems. Like, I guess they've had a problem. One of the part of the exercise requires them to do some drilling to get cables underneath the vessel, and it's on, like, granite. And they said it's a lot tougher drilling than they thought it was going to be. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing tons of welding to be able to get those pontoons, that's what I, I'd call them, that are going to be attached to the side of the vessel. One they'll fill with water, one they'll fill with air to try and flip it upright. So, yeah, it does kind of seem like they're a little new at this. And Yeah, and a lot of this is everybody wanted something that was risk-proof. They, they didn't want to have the vessel sitting there being chopped up right there and potentially uh, damaging the environment. But they're going to float it in this haul it someplace else in Italy and cut it up. So really, what's the difference? Why didn't they just cut it up there? It looks like they're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be forced one way or another. And, and they still have to pay the company that did the salvage work. I, I'm pretty sure there was no guarantees. Let me yeah. send you another little picture that's quite interesting. So I figure out where Skype is again on this mess. Somebody's saying there's a live webcam of the wreck. You get that? Yeah. Let's check that out real quick. The picture is what I'm talking about. Okay, here. I mean, that boat has really been impacted in the side of that, that cliff there in there. <clears throat> Did wow. you get it? Yeah, the, the you're talking about that top picture there? Yeah, the, the major one. That baby looks a lot further over than that other picture we were looking at shows, not to mention those buoys and stuff on the right-hand side. you got to be adding a good little bit of weight there that wasn't originally there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're adding a ton of steel on it. Plus, a ship is never meant to be sitting on its side and support. You know, it, yeah. they, they engineer the weight to be compressed down, and sitting on its side is not how it's designed. So, and you, you probably get in, and if you try and prevent something like this happening, I mean, you basically would be rebuilding the whole entire ship. You'd have to shore it up and add reinforcements and... Yeah, I mean, th- these vessels are so huge. I mean, they're floating cities, really. Yeah. And they they over-engineer them to a certain extent, but not to be able to handle these types of stresses. Yeah, they said this. Well, sec- they were saying they lost, what, two months to weather again this year, so they couldn't get stuff done like they had planned. Yeah. They, they said that they, they've extracted 96 tons of granite reef from the hole. Whoa. That, and that was the, the, the gash that sunk the vessel, 96 tons. So... That makes you think back on the accident. That's just not a little side swipe where it ripped and flooded. That's true. What I, what I think is interesting, the trial for the uh, captain was supposed to be forthcoming this July the 9th, and that's been postponed. Uh-huh. And it's postponed due to a lawyer's strike. Now, that's got to be unique, a lawyer's strike. A lawyer's strike. Yeah, and the captain still denies wrongdoing claims his skillful guiding of the ship after the collision saved countless lives. I, it's like, how do you equate that with the Coast Guard demanding him to go back on board where the people still were? Yeah. I, my opinion, and that's from somebody halfway across the world only seeing stuff through the media filter, but he seemed to be the type of captain where this was a prestige position, not a operational position. And maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I just did not get a good impression of him anytime he spoke. Yeah. But uh, a lawyer strike. <laughs> wait, wait. 
Gosh, there's so many punchlines right in there. What what could they possibly be striking over? The the tea times are ending too quick. Did they raise the uh, the drinks on the last hole by another twenty cents a drink? Or I don't know. I just thought it was sort of funny looking at this to ship this and this. Excuse me, the issue for recovery. But when you get down to the trial, it's still not done. The captain's never been censured. Whatever. You know, you still lost over, what, 32 people? Lord knows what they're going to find when they do get it up, if they do get it up. So that's a big can of worms. Yeah. Not a pretty situation. You know what you do with a big can of worms? Catch a lot of fish? Go fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then speaking of uh, vessels, it's not only that part of the world. We have one of those not too far from here in Canada. They have the MV Minor remains slowly falling apart. Said it's been 22 months since the MV Minor uh, ran aground off uh, Scatatray Island, and I'm sure I didn't even get that close. The Atlantic, and it's washing it away. Uh, Baston resident uh, Kennedy visited the site recently and took some photos to illustrate the growing damage of the vessel. She's there, and Mother Nature will take care of it, said Kennedy, who's also a prov- provincial liberal candidate in the Sydney River Myra Lewisbourne riding. I have no idea what that is. If you recall in the fall when it happened in 2011, they said it was going to be removed. We're going to move it. And then nothing. It seemed like the buck's been passed around and around and the feds aren't taking ownership and the ship is still there. We don't hear too much on it anymore. The Greek ocean-going tug Hellas was towing the MV Minor in September 2011 when its line broke free and a ship ran aground the shore in a protected wilderness area. The province has maintained the wreck as federal responsibility, while Ottawa has indicated it poses no hazard to either navigation or the environment. New York-based salvage company detected the salvage job, but the company walked away claiming government bureaucratic hurdles. The wreck may be a federal responsibility, but even when departments as responsible is up for debate, said uh, Natural Resources spokesman Bruce Nunn. What's this link? That's another picture of that boat, because I wondered, you know, motor vessel, minor, uh, what it looked like. That's a huge mother of a ship. Take a look at that, and then tell me why it hasn't been moved. It's like, that baby is grounded solid, sideways, on the shore. Well, and with something like that, the longer it sits there, the worse it's going to get. Oh, just look at the picture. That's 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 a big boat. And that, uh, one of the articles I was looking at here, it said, after a month of delay, the latest, latest obstacle in the dismantling of a ship that's been stranded has been cleared. So its pre-demolition site survey was covered, carried out Monday. Oh, so somebody got in the political hot seat because this article's come out. So now they're going to act like they've been rushing all along. Well, the shawl of the New York-based Bennington Group said the survey was needed for insurance purposes, but getting both the provincial and federal governments to sign off on pre-existing environmental conditions was a challenge. And I can see what they're talking about. It's like, how do you say this caused it when it may have caused or something else may have caused the environmental damage? I can see sort of trying to get that ironed out. Yeah, as somebody in the chat room is pointing out, they said there's no way to refloat it. All the weight is on its base. Yeah, that's 230 meters. Holy mackerel. Now, long, yeah, that f- the photo long. just came up. Holy, that's you're right. Yeah. That's a that's a full-blown freighter. That's a, like that, a... That's not a regular motor vessel that I think of when I say EMV. No, no, but, you know, that would be a nice one for the preserve. Yeah. I'd take, I'd take that. <laughs> well, there's another lawsuit on this same boat that uh, some of the crews that were taken to, to get this dismantled, 
They've been taking all the copper, all the wiring off of it and selling it before they've done any contractual work. Now, how much that's true, I don't know, but sounds interesting. Wow, yeah. That's a lot of copper to go from the bow to the back end there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's it would have to be part of this, the operation to get it pulled, picked up. Yeah. It's interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, see, it's just not over in Italy. We got some right here. <laughs> yeah, no lawyer strike, no. Yeah, no lawyer strike. Well, if that wasn't bad enough, boy, this is we're just floating in the the uh, sad stories. An Irish scuba diver survives an eel bite to the face. Experienced wow. scuba diver acquired 20 stitches in a skin graft after an eel attack. He was bitten in the face by a two-meter-long eel while diving off the coast of Ireland this month. He says, just bit me out of the blue. The 48-year-old diver described being shaken like a rag doll as a massive conger eel latched onto his left cheek, knocking out his regulator. Incident happened in Killary Harbor on the west coast of Ireland where when Griffin, fresh off a two-year hiatus from diving, joined friends in the daytime dive for the popular scuba spot. Shortly after entering the water at a depth of about 25 meters, he felt like he was being punched. He says, suddenly I got hit with what felt like a really strong punch in the face, but it wasn't the fist that struck him. It was an eel about the width of a human thigh. It was wiggling and twisting. It was horrible. It wasn't until the eel detached himself from his cheek that he realized he was in serious trouble. After getting regulator back in his mouth, he noticed bubbles leaking out from the gash. I shouldn't be laughing, but man, we need to decompress for seven or eight minutes. My dive buddy didn't notice blood until we got close to the surface. Now with his face on the mend after 20 stitches and a skin graft, he says he'll get back in the water. That's the way. In Ireland, we have a saying, you can choose to laugh or choose to cry. He says if you got nipped in the face by a dog, you wouldn't stop walking down the street. Man. That's a hell of a bite. It is. I mean, and by the, I was picturing like it grabbed him kind of like your mouth was open, but this just bit him on the side of the face. It just... I mean, you could see where every tooth is in that photo. I'll tell you what. I'm going to send you a picture of a gulper eel, G-U-L-P-E-R. Don't tell me if this doesn't freak you out. Oh, no. Damn. A gulper eel? Gulper, man, you look at this guy. gulps? This guy is awesome. I wouldn't swim anywhere this guy is at. Take a look at that monster. Oh, my goodness. So let's see here. Whoops. Oh, come on. Why is it not copying? Oh, Microsoft's trying to get at me for not agreeing to their upgrade. And they're doing a good job at it, too, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're harassing me. Holy mackerel, what is this? <laughs> this is not... <laughs> this... <laughs> Isn't that awesome? This doesn't, even seem, this doesn't even seem possible. Well, you know when you're in scouts and then they take you out, what are they, what's one of the oldest traditions for kids or for scouts? Snipe hunting? There you go. Take a look at this one. This is a sea snipe. Exactly. Eel. No, the next one I just sent you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I'm not going to go swimming again. I'm right. Okay, well, I'm going to guarantee we don't have those in the Great Lakes. Which one? The one, the... the... Well, the I, I'm, I'm at the gulper eel. Oh, yeah. Isn't that something? Jeez, oh, Pete. Too bad the people who are listening to this can't see that monster. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's paste this one in. You know, I'm looking at that other picture, you know, his stitches and stuff. I'm looking at the face of that guy. Looks like a bloody python, doesn't he? Yeah. Man. Man. <laughs> so this is why you should learn to go scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I don't think Patty's got the uh, 
vicious creature certification, do they? They see that. Oh, don't worry. If they see a fucking making one, they'll they'll come up with it. <laughs> Man, that that photo. Oh, in here, here, watch this. Here, here's another link. I thought that that was like an artist version of it. No, that's for real. Yeah, here's here's the. This is you don't need to make and this makes Jaws look like a wimp. There's no horror movie I've ever seen that you can't find worse things of in the ocean. So spend all your money on dive gear. <laughs> oh, somebody says Dr. Zeus fish. <laughs> wow. wow. I just can't believe that. I'm looking at the photo and I'm, I'm dumbstruck. I just can't. It, it doesn't seem like that Jaws should be able to connect on there. If if that was a ship, like a surface Boeing ship, that'd be a James Bond villain's vessel. Yeah. You know, you'd come up behind something else and then like bring it in. Man. I just thought size I'd of your thigh. That was interesting. Size of your thigh. I'm glad that's all as big as it is. If it got any bigger than that, we, you know, why do we need the Loch Ness when you could have this? Well, did you notice the term they used though? Didn't you? No. Carnivorous eel. That's what bit him. Well, he was looking for lunch. Probably all he saw was this, you know, this part of the guy's face as he comes hovering across the bottom, and he thinks he's got a little chihuahua or something. Okay. Since we're, since we're on this, this thread, let's go and talk about how hopeless it is for the lionfish. How hopeless it is for the lionfish? Well, not for the lionfish, but for us trying to combat them. I saw that the other day, too. That's going to be really a monstrous problem, more so than there already is. Yeah, they said researchers have few options for going after lionfish at depths beyond scuba divers' reach. Yeah. And to paraphrase the article, they said that divers have done an excellent job at keeping the numbers. They're encouraging anytime you're diving to harvest lionfish and eat them, which I'm all for that. Anytime you can get a tasty morsel that's invading your area, that's great. But they said what they've discovered is that beyond the reach of divers, and they're saying at a wreck 250 feet, they counted 36 large lionfish on the wreck. And they said there are no predators and no divers who are doing anything about it. So they hadn't anticipated that, which I, in a certain aspect, I don't know why they hadn't anticipated it. Did they think that it would stay shallower? That's what I believe that they thought originally. Uh, I, I like your little article here. Lionfish can eat anything they can fit inside their mouth. That's telling me a lot right there. Yeah, it doesn't look really, it's not a good piece of news when you start looking at what they're talking about here. The deepest confirmed sighting of a lionfish is at 1,000 feet in the Bahamas. I'm sorry in the chat room, the link's so long, it's not coming through TalkShoe. Yeah, I'm going to, well, I'll start doing is shortening these up in a URL shortener. I'm sorry, Mac, what was in the Bahamas? Yeah, they found them at 1,000 feet. Yeah. I think I'll be too many divers down to harvesting them. Yeah, I mean, they're just... Going around, having all sorts of great time. Yeah, they, they've got some uh, cash prizes now sent out to fishermen. Uh, it says the Turks and the Calico Islands government put up a cash prize for the first fisherman to catch 3,000. You know, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, volunteers are being licensed as lionfish hunters. The Super Mercado National, uh, the largest chain of supermarkets in the Dominican Republic, are putting lionfish for sale depending on availability. They can actually sell all you can give them. Oh, Eat Sustainable, Eat Lionfish. That's the NOAA launched a campaign in 2010 urging the U.S. public to eat sustainable, eat lionfish. What they need to do is get uh, Mrs. Pauls to freeze them into little nuggets, and then you could sell them to school kids. <laughs> I mean, you, you could have a whole campaign. I mean, you tough, 
eat a lionfish. Yeah, lionfish Haven. Yeah, you could. There's all sorts of market on it. Yeah, I mean, kids, dang, you you bread it and deep fry it. Heck, you could go real good. Yeah, Arthur creatures can charge double for it. Yeah, lionfish puppies. <laughs> you probably have to call them lionfish kittens. Kittens. <laughs> I'm trying to get that other link you sent to come up. It just is not having. It was another day of internet fun. I think I'm going to have to start caching all these articles way before the show. And then while you're at it, if you're trying to get rid of these these creatures, there was a discussion saying from the website Film School Rejects, which is trying to determine could you actually kill Jaws the way it happened in the movie. Which, if you remember in the the film, he had the the scuba tank in his mouth and shot it with a rifle, and then he blew up. Well, the Mythbusters myth also did a presentation on this, too, once. I'm sure I saw it, because I've seen every episode they've done, but I, it just doesn't come to mind. I'm looking for it while you continue. I'm trying to get this page to come up. It's, I have to kick everybody in the house off the internet whenever I do the show. The victim. NSA's hogging up all the bandwidth. Yeah, they're, they're everything down as they copy everything. Yeah, we need to give them to donate to the show, and then that would be okay. Let me see. I'll try to another site, see if that goes any better. And then maybe not. Yeah. Uh, as a side note, while you're doing that, Mythbusters actually did a neat one on, on sharks. They did uh, shark strength myth, myth. Yeah. Destruction of a shark cage, catching a shark with piano wire, and blowing up a scuba tank in shark's mouth. And then Mythbusters special number eight, Jaw Special. Test you met from Jaws that the scuba tank will explode. I'll click on that and send that to you. Okay. Well, Steven Spielberg didn't like the original ending uh, that was in the book, so he had to do this. He he says if they'll sit through the movie and uh, they believe that, then I have them at the end no matter what I put in it. I like the one where they got the electric cable and bit that. Remember that one? That was the one after, I believe. Oh, the one after? Yeah. You want me to read the results from the uh, Mythbusters? Sure, go for it. Okay. It says, if a pressurized scuba tank is shot, it will explode. And that was busted. When the tank was punctured by a bullet, it simply decompressed quickly, causing it to jet around like a compressed air rocket. They were only able to make the tank explode by using explosives. Second item, a great white shark can pull barrels underwater. Plausible. Shark's maximum striking force is great enough to pull the barrels under. And you figure a 50-gallon barrel is approximately, what, four to 450 pounds? Yes. Yeah, yeah. A great weight can pull barrels underwater and hold them there. And that was busted. The force a shark can generate in a continuous pull is insufficient to keep the barrels under for a significant amount of time. Yeah, but that's part of the, that's part of the excitement of the movie is that you know it's impossible, but yet he does it. Yeah. Well, then again, maybe they didn't trust a great white that's 80 foot long. Yeah. Now, I'm willing to bet if you had a whale shark get tangled, he could probably drag one of those suckers down. Yeah, I think he'd figure a way out. And they figured the prehistoric shark like that was as big as the current one, like a whale. Let's see. A uh, great white shark can ram a dive cage with enough force to damage or destroy it. That's been confirmed. A great white can ram a boat with enough force to punch a hole in it. Plausible. Under the right circumstances, but they said no documentation has ever been documented. Helping one tip over, that's a different matter. 
Uh, great White can pull a boat backwards, so waves break over the rear end. That was busted for the same reason they can't bring barrels underwater continuously. And the good thing to know here, punching a shark in the nose, eyes, or gills will cause it to flee or back off briefly until he gets really pissed and comes back after you. Oh, <laughs> I read that part. Forget that one. <clears throat> and it says uh, shark punches by both a specifically modified Buster and Jamie uh, were driven off briefly, but they came back. They were a little hesitant, but they said strikes to the gills were more effective than strikes to the nose, which surprises me. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. I remember they had the little arm that was smacking them. I'm willing to bet you a nickel, though, if you had one of those little, uh, not taser guns, but what do you call those things? Like uh, contact. Yeah, just a little like the, the cattle chargers. Shark gun? Yeah. Yeah, if you put that on the shotgun shell, come back and talk to you. I think they're gonna go. The one with a shotgun shell on it. Nah, that's that's bank like a bank stick. No, he, he's just talking about the, like the cattle prod. You just zip them. Yeah, because their nose, I thought, is pretty sensible, uh, sensibly tough to electrical impulses. Yeah. Well, plus you got to figure these are predators who are not used to being challenged by anything. Yeah. So you know, the, like the bully's always the big wimp. Uh, but yeah, uh, the best thing is don't be in the situation where you you have to have the problem now somebody in the chat room was mentioning an o2 tank with a trace around and i, th- I think that'd be yeah that, that gets it more into plausible except there's nothing to burn it's air or shark cheek of <laughs> <laughs> sushi yeah i like that idea. just get over yourself and get alive sharks are just animals that happen to taste good yeah. You know what? <laughs> I have yet to see a shark in the Great Lakes. Yeah, so far. Hey, that's not true. Not oh. true. Well, I haven't seen one. I have. They've had them almost every year. They have one. You know where at, don't you? Chicago. Up at the locks. There's always some wise guy every year that when they drain the tanks and and let you know that at the locks they mm-hmm. find a freaking shark. And they, they figured they don't know who's doing it, but obviously it must be the same boat. They're coming through, they catch a shark, and then they dump them there in the locks. Huh. Yeah, that's but an interesting yeah. story. I saw them when I dove uh, East Coast, but not in the Great Lakes. Yeah. No. Well, as soon as they get carnivorous carp in Great Lakes, we're in trouble. <laughs> That'll be next. Well, can the carnivorous carp go after zebra mussels? Could we at least get that? Oh, the zebra mussels, remember, ain't no more. It's it's Quaggas. And, by the way, since you're talking about that, have you noticed that uh, since the zebra, the Quaggas came in and just overpopulated, they died off really dramatically? And when you get out there on the south pier again in the north, you will notice that two years ago you had four inches of zebra mussels attached to the walls uh-huh. and they off. You've got maybe a covering of quaggas on there. You don't have that huge infestation. And a lot of the rocks now are actually clear of the damn things. Well, you know, I've noticed that the shallow stuff's that way. But what surprised me was when we were on the Ann Arbor 5, there was a lot of quaggas on there. And But they're not thick, are they? They're not thick no. like the zebras used to be. No, no, they're not. You know, they're too Two, three layers at the most, that's about it. But yeah. the zebras yeah. used to fall off go. almost four inches around. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, they're not that thick. But, I, but I've but i seen, uh, like, some of the wooden wrecks, like the Havana and the Rockaway, there's spots of wood above surface where there aren't zebras on it anymore, or, or mussels, quaggas or zebras. So I've, I've kind of always thought that at some point it's got to balance out because they, they've got to survive. They've got to eat something. And after slurping up all the, the nasty stuff in the water, they've, they've got to be running out at some point. 
Well, now that you talk about them, <clears throat> excuse me, it is different. It, it's quite interesting that let's see here what I was trying to get to in a moment. Okay. I'm looking for the item I was just wanting to get to from the uh, Washington Invasive Species Council. Okay. I can't find the one I wanted to look at, but they were talking about <clears throat> the quagga mussels are thinner and lighter when they live on soft surfaces and thicker and heavier when they live on rock or hard surfaces. I don't know how they differentiate, which I think is quite interesting. Well, that would kind of make sense just because if they got thicker, they would they could essentially suffocate. Yeah. But how would they know if they're attaching to another muscle, how would they know what he's on? I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because there's spots when when we've done some of the shipwreck hunting in, uh, in like Michigan. It seemed like they used to have to attach to something, and now you kind of see them just out there in the sand. They're connected to each other. Anyway, if we're not doing the piers, you're going to notice it's a lot better. Uh, a matter of fact, I just thinking about it, the uh, gobies, remember how you'd get out there and you'd have, I swear, a 1,000 per square meter? Mm-hmm. You know, if they had teeth, I wouldn't dive there because it would be scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. But they're not as big uh, as they have been. The quantity is not as much, and I did not see any 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 of the six-inch size ones that were purple, which they turned purple, or the ones I saw last year before they died. I, so even that's cutting down now that they think about it. Yeah, no, this year I noticed. Yeah, the same there was a thing. lot of gobies, but they there was a lot of gobies, but they were smaller. Yeah, yeah what we're not because I remember we would dive on racks. It's and, July, not September too. Yeah, and the visibility would be pretty decent, but you couldn't see the bottom because the gobies would stir it up. And we, I haven't seen it this year as heavy as years past. But, yeah, like you said, Jim, it's not September. But I've also heard, and I think we might have done an article on it a few weeks back, that other fish have decided that gobies are okay to eat. I believe so because I saw some gobies with holes in the middle of their backs, like some game fish had come up and taken a snap out of them. Yeah. So they've, they may – it might take a while for the game fish to figure out how to hunt them. Because the gobies tend to be just hang around the bottom and they never get up in the column like, you know, perch and other shiners will get up there. Yeah. Well, that does it for the news. We'll go take a look and we have a photo of the week. We have a shipwreck image, uh, won a top award in a photography competition. This one was a black and white image and it was at Bang Stoke Scuba Diver, a top global underwater photography warning uh, award. Uh Lena Roy from Hatch Warren landed the Golden Award in the rec category of underwaterphotography.com's global competition. The winning image was was almost the first fame she had had shot on a brand new and first professional Nikon digital camera. She's dove for more than 20 years, but only recently took up underwater photography six years ago. And her award-winning photo is a shot of the ladder of the USS Kittawake, which is that former U.S. Navy vessel uh, that was sunk off the coast of the Cayman Islands. So that's a good photo. Not a bad one. And then, and then how's this? This is this this one we have as uh, one of the videos of the week. Uh, a soldier who had come home early from Afghanistan snuck up on his family in scuba gear. Captain Hiram Bronson, who was based in Japan's uh, Kadena Air Base, surprised his wife and children by donning scuba gear and sneaking up on them as they enjoyed splashing in the water. Uh, the video shows a footage of the moment Captain Bronson, who had been away for six months, was reunited with his wife and children after uh, near their home in Okinawa, Japan. So that, that's a 
that's a unique way to come home. It was a long swim, though, I would think. Yeah, yeah. The picture's pretty good, because you wouldn't suspect that a bit, would you? No, that would be a, a little surprising. That would be awesome, though. It would be. And that's just a cool way to do it. And then how's this for uh, in a potentially cool scuba gear category? The TARDIS diving chamber used by Reg Sprigg was found in the outback of South Australia. They said the uh, object's being brought back to life. Reg Sprague was renowned for his geological work and his many achievements, including identification of fossils and the founding of the Arkurula Sanctuary. Arkurula Sanctuary in the northern Flinders Ranges of South Australia. They said, but many people didn't realize that he explore, explored coastal waters in a purpose-built diving chamber decades ago, mapping the ocean bed. After many years of gathering rust, a chance discovery of the dive chamber in an outback has led to a restoration project under the eye of a specialist doctor with a passion for diving. Uh, the doctor works in a hyperbaric medical unit of the Royal uh, Adelaide Hospital and is a keen recreational diver. Among his other works include duties for MedStar and Aromatic Retrieval Service in South Australia. I first heard about Reg Sprague's diving chamber was on one of my annual bushwalking trips. Looked like a cross between a TARDIS and a spaceship. Seemed to me such a shame the thing was languishing in the desert. He said the old diving chamber weighed about four and a half tons, was brought by truck, and expected to take about a year to get it seaworthy. Again, ultimate goal would be put it back in the water for one last dive before it gets put mothballed and stored where it can be appreciated by the public. And if you want to see what it looked like when they got it, hang on a second, this will come back for me. Well, I got the link, but it's not pasting right. Hang on one more second. It's actually pretty neat looking. Yes, he, um, Bing's trying to get to us. Oh, Jim, what's this creature here? The monkfish? Monkfish. Monkfish, also called an all-mouth. Yeah. Found very predominantly on the East Coast. They're well, great to eat. Very good to eat. They taste like lobster, because that's their favorite food you you is eat? lobster. So you're like indirectly eating lobster. Right. They look pretty big. That one photo he's holding one up. The center of the link is actually a Facebook item. Uh, it's got a good picture of it out in the freaking desert, and the guy is standing by it. It's still interesting to look at. Okay, so you get to that by going into Facebook and doing a search. Yeah, go to Facebook and hit the rig, uh, R-E-G Sprigs. Mm-hmm. Then you'll come up with the save the rig uh, Sprigs, excuse me, diving chamber. Save the bell. With the guy by it, because I was sort of curious. Oh, then if you click on the link on it, it shows you all sorts of stuff about it. That's neat. Uh, as we're taking it apart to see what it really looks like inside and out. That's, that's nice. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, as soon as it, I think I almost see. Come on. Come oh, on. You will hear. It's that's coming. Where, that's the pictures of the bell. That's neat. Okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering how they moved it around on the bottom. Could it have been a, like, crane? Could they have? I, that's what I was looking at. I, I can't really tell where the portholes were. It looked like the side. He used it to... It looks like it might, because it looks like a trawler in one of the pictures down at the bottom. Interesting. So I'm trying to see, where's the the photo on that? Uh, Did you see the other item I sent? Facebook.com, save the belt, and the photo stream? That's what you want to look at. Okay, i got to get to the photo stream. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because it's got some of the original old photos. It had the old white, black checkerboard like they used to be on uh, towers at airports. And uh-huh. then there's a picture of uh looks like a trawler that they've been using with it to lower and, and bring it up and down. Okay. Now I've got the now I've got it. 
That is big. Yeah, the only thing it doesn't show is how they supplied it with air. You are unmuted. Hey, I didn't see Rich Rich pop in. In and out. Yeah. He's probably Did editing. You get the pictures? What's that? Did you ever get the pictures? Oh yeah, those are those are amazing. The only odd thing is that one guy standing by it looks big. And if you look at the original picture with the guy, either he was a freaking midget or that other guy's a giant. Look at the picture where the guy's getting into it in the old photo. Yeah. Look how big that looks for him. Look how small it looks for that other guy. Uh, I think you. I think it's kind of a combination of all those. Because <laughs> I think that one guy is a big guy, and I think he was a smaller guy. <clears throat> if I were the bigger guy, I don't think I'd want to be in that little chamber. No, no, maybe not. <laughs> it's it's certainly a one-person chamber, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I still want to know how they got the air in there. Well, they're gonna. It looks like they're gonna be floating it again, so we'll find out. Yeah. Well, we know where to go now on Facebook for the real news. That is the news. Yeah. I just like the page, so we'll see. Yeah. Okay, and then we have another video, I believe. Let me see. No, no, I think that was it. That was it for the video. Oh, we have that was. Well, we, we we went from video to potentially cool scuba gear, which was the chamber, and then here's a mask. So this is kind of a a combination of the mask that. Uh, Rick has got, which has the camera built in the mask, and this is a attachment that goes on the GoPro, or that the GoPro connects to your mask. Seems such a simple idea, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Huh? Yeah, might might, might be time to break down and pick up a bunch of these. I'm 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 coming up with a idea for a project that will be needing a bunch of these. So I don't think the 3D Go GoPro went over that well, did it? I don't see well, any 3D. of 3D. The 3D is two GoPro cameras side by side. That's what I'm saying. I don't see very many of those. Yeah. Part of it is this: people don't have an easy way to consume 3D unless you have a 3D TV, and those didn't take off. And you know, it. I mean, we've had 3D for a long time. Shortly after photography, you had 3D. I can remember. You know, my grandparents used to have collections of the 3D. What they call them, stereo. Yeah. Photos. Yep. And that used to be everything before TV. That's what people really. You'd swap around collections of those, kind of like we do with movies, and you'd look at World's Fair photo or National Landmarks because you couldn't get there. So I, I yeah, it, it'll eventually come back or come around, but it hasn't seemed to take it on to the point where it's commercially viable. I think the the 4K video is probably the next thing. You're starting to see large 4K TVs get down to under $5,000, so it seems to be in a pretty good pace. Speaking of uh, GoPro... Since you guys brought it up and mentioned it, mm-hmm. makes me want to remind me I have to download the video from today. Okay, cool. Well, that does it for Scuba in the News. Uh, one other thing that we kind of been talking about, wondering what was going to happen, it actually did. The buoy is now on the cook plant again. Yeah. So, so did you look yes, at sir. that today? Oh, yes. Checked it this morning <laughs> for wave conditions before we went out. Uh-huh. So did you happen to... Uh, Get a feel for uh, dive conditions based on it, with the clarity. Yep. Did that kind of match up with what you expected? Uh, it was hard for me to tell because my mask kept fogging up. But I would say we had pro- twenty and probably about 30 feet again today, Mac. Okay. Well, f- hanging on the down line at 20 feet, you could see the end of the boat 80 foot away. Oh, wow. And we also found, uh, did a sweep on the outside. On the port side, out from that one dead eye, and there's actually timbers in the bottom out there. Okay. So so everybody who's wondering what wreck we're talking about, it sounds like you're talking about the Max wreck? 
Yes. So Lake Michigan. What about 70 feet deep? Yep. A little over. And so how many times have we been on it since we recorded last? You get, did you make it out last weekend? Uh, yeah, we were out there last weekend. And so how, so you went out last weekend and you went out today? Yes. And how, how was the conditions different between the two times? Um, this was a little better today. I think that may have been because the anchor wasn't pumping on the bottom today. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I think we determined that that first year when you have that anchor flopping around on the bottom versus just coming down a, a, yep. a mooring line. It just seemed to be a heck of a lot clearer. Uh, and so I understand there's uh, more of the wreck visible this season? Yes, there is. It's about another foot, I'd say a foot or, or more of sand that's gone. That uh, More noticeable had, on the starboard side towards the aft end. Yeah, yeah it's, well, it's opened up quite a bit more to, to see. Yeah, because the starboard yeah, side's filled up one. the last couple of years. I remember the first year we dove on it, you could see a little bit in the starboard side, but it seemed like last, you know, the last couple it had filled in. Well, the rails on the on the port side are very pronounced now. Um, and again, that aft side, you're almost looking not just the rails, but the the side of the boat on the starboard side, the last half of it from the big post in the back forward. Uh-huh. That's totally exposed, and no zebras. Or quaggas. You know, that post has really not had a whole lot of zebras or quaggas on it. No. No, but the bow has, has been covered in them. How's that this year? Same? About the same. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, it kind of... Windless I, is a nice shot. It's, it's pretty much exposed, not like it was when the current cleaned it out last year. Right. But uh, it looks pretty decent. A lot different than we had it three years ago. You know, it, it kind of makes me wonder, because I'm, I'm surprised how much... That changes from year to year. On, the, on some of the other wrecks, you, you see it kind of moving around. It's kind of like it swirls around and you have some stuff buried, some stuff open. But if this wreck had completely covered up and now has recently re-exposed itself, that could explain why it went so long with nobody realizing it was there. Or realizing how much we had there. Because like I said, we spotted it years ago, but back then the visibility was maybe three feet if you were lucky. Yeah. And if, if you did not run up against the crane or the, the anchor and the chain, you're going to just say, no big deal. That changed the whole, you know, outlook when you found a darn anchor and the windlass. Well, yeah. Imagine if all you found was that stern post and the sides, the rails are completely buried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you would have had to have attached a line and done a full sweep. And without context, that stern post just looks like something that somebody stuck or pile drove in the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Dropped it and it just sunk. Yeah. But yep. you take now the Havana, that's the best I've seen it in years. And you already talked about that, Jim, with him? No, we didn't. We got out on the Havana and, you know, where we used to see a little bit of cable coming up out of the sand. Uh-huh. Well, there's probably a foot more of cable or more showing, including a dead eye still mounted in the cable end. Oh, really? Wow. And, yes. And what else did we find there? Uh, two or three different sizes of chain. Yes. I still think one or two of those may have been from previous moorings, but there's, oh, okay. there's chain in there. Yeah, I don't know if I've if I remember seeing chain on it. Like you said, other than a, than what would be something had been moored to. But the cable, I kind of remember. Have have has the anchor ever shown up again? No, that's, that's why I was in, I was encouraged to see that extra chain there. Uh, yeah, next time we go back out, we'll look around a little bit more, and I would not be surprised what you're going to find. Yeah, because yeah, I've missed the Havana this year too. I don't think I've been out there yet. No, yeah. I've, I've kind of skipped the dives uh, on on those somehow. Just haven't worked out. 
You're just getting the big deep ones there. <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. This it's like the guy who only eats steak. You know, you don't do the the simple stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go straight to the uh, you know the Ann Arbor Five. <laughs> Are you do going on Gary Tight? Do our our first dive of the season at 150. You know? <laughs> no, I do not. But I I hear you. Uh, the I'm I'm planning on it. I think I can. I still just have to double check. My wife's working a couple jobs and. It's like tonight we saw each other for about 30 seconds and she had to run. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think I'm cleared for it, but. Well, um, then do you want to talk to Jim when he talks about how you might be better prepared this time? How, how am I going to be better prepared? Or how I might be better prepared. Oh, well, you already were. <laughs> I, I felt like I wasn't bad on the Ann Arbor five. Now, one thing I do have to do, uh, that we didn't talk about is, uh, Kirk had noticed that I've got a lot of really small leaks on my fitting. So I've, that was a little concerning. Now I've got, I've, uh, I want, I'm going to double check all my, my seals, maybe replace some rings. I thought about getting, I got to run to dive shop tomorrow. I thought about maybe getting some replacement rings. Cause I, I blew one out on, uh, between dives last a hose. Uh, you mean? Well, I, yeah, I blew the, the high pressure, uh, O ring on one of the hose that blew that out. And then Kirk, and then I must not have tightened it down. I'm, I'm usually pretty good at home, but when I'm on the boat, I tend not to want to over crank stuff. Uh, so I probably didn't tighten that hose down enough, but I had a, my, uh, uh, backup regulator, my uh, second stage was bubbling a little bit. I couldn't get that going off. So, uh, maybe I need to flush that with water or something, see if something's got stuck in there and it's, it's been serviced, so it should be fine. Well, I had to replace my high pressure line to my gauge cause I was having a, Pen leaks at the fitting itself. Yeah. So I just went ahead and got a brand new and I got, wait, I don't need it to blow up on me. And it was just, you know, not really taking a lot of air, but it was still enough that you need to replace it when it starts, you know, pissing out air. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's what mine is. And, and yeah, that's three or so years old. Wouldn't think it would be bad, but uh, yeah, just time to take all that stuff and make sure there's nothing stuck, no sand somewhere. Uh, but I, I've noticed that when I'm in the water, I can hear stuff bubbling. And I've asked people, yeah, and they said, no, no, you're fine. Maybe That's it's just, okay. You, you know why they're doing that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they need a backup regulator when I'm gone? Yeah, I was going to say, he finally <laughs> keeps the gear. <laughs> well, I had a strange experience today. I, I tried out a, a different dry suit since I blew the seal on my good old Viking he didn't blow that. He just ripped that sucker all the way down to the neck ring. Well, okay. So I ripped it. It's gone. I'm going to have to put another seal in it. Well, to use that suit, I would need another seal in it. I'm we tried duct re- taping it to his neck, by the way. That didn't <laughs> work good either. <laughs> yeah. It was ripped too far down to duct tape it. So I, I, I uh, test dove a Harvey's neoprene dry suit today. Uh-huh. And it was like diving in a wetsuit, except it kept me pretty dry until I realized that I didn't do the next seal right because you have to roll the next seal and I didn't. So it was leaking pretty good down the next seal. So it was like a, uh, well, a semi dry, yeah. but, but you, but or you, a sealed wetsuit. Yeah, but you it, weren't it was like... a lot warmer than a wetsuit cause I could put air in it mm-hmm. and, uh, control buoyancy and take away the screeds. But what was interesting is that, you know, you, you guys have dove with me and you always hear when I put air in my dry suit, you can always mm-hmm. hear it squealing. Yeah. That valve has done that since day one. Well, today I was putting air in my dry suit and I couldn't hear anything. 
You thought it wasn't working? Yeah, I was thinking there's something wrong with this, you know. That's my my way of knowing that I'm getting air in the dry suit is I can hear it squealing. But this valve didn't squeal, so I think I'm going to have to put a whistle in the valve. <laughs> to feel it. Or when you do the Michelin Man, you kind of realize that the little air got in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, cool. That's cool. I've, I've, yeah, I keep going back and forth on it. Uh, you know, and, and a neoprene wetsuit, you know, they got to dry out and some of that stuff. So, um, so I, yeah, at, at this point, I think I would take just about anything, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try a couple others. There's a, I want to try the, the whites fusion, but we did try the, I, I liked the neoprene. I just had so much flexibility in it compared to my Viking. So, and it was a front entry. Yeah. Well, a, a Viking, they're, they're designed to be a durable suit. So, you know, that that's got a lot of extra stiffness, probably over just about any other dry suit out there. Now, and it lasted a long time. I don't remember how long I bought that Viking ago. And did you get it new or is it used? Uh, it was a rental suit when I bought it. Yeah. So it's an old rental suit. Yeah. Well, that's cool to get that try out. And, and wouldn't it be nice to have the problems that Bob was having? He's lost so much weight that his neck seal's leaking. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough life. Yeah, and so, so yeah, that uh, that's my problem. I think is I've lost so much my weight. Weight my wetsuit's leaking. That's your story, uh-huh. and you're sticking with it, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that, that's it. Yeah, your problem is you've lost so much wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why my buoyancy's improved. I can I've been able to drop weight because I. Yeah, you've only I, got I half a wetsuit there. <laughs> if I ever got a full wetsuit again, I'd probably need to put another 30 pounds on the darn thing. Oh, yeah, that's time. Uh, the boots just disintegrated. I've got to figure out if I can get a, a new pair for this weekend or not. Stuff's just wearing out. Oh, I, I, I hung my BC in the tree to let it dry. Damn birds built a nest in the pocket. <laughs> How long did you leave it out there? It was just a day. You got to take a picture of that. Well, I, I pulled it out and shook it and hosed it off, so it's drying again. But the darn birds. A nest in the pocket, huh? Yeah. Yeah. With, with my cell phone dead. I don't. I, otherwise, I would have taken a photo because that would have been a classic. Because at first I was upset because there's like one little speck of bird poop, which is kind of good for the birds on my scuba tree, but. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm like, what the heck is that? Straws in my pocket? And it was just sticks, hmm. just wedged in the in the BC pocket. <laughs> so I think that's just another sign it's time to, to get some new new equipment. So Sunday is the venturing trip up to the Ironsides. Now, I, Bob said something about meeting at the South Haven Walmart. Is that just a staging point? Yeah, I'm going to meet him up there because I'll be coming from a different route than he will. Okay. And so we're going to meet there, and then uh, I think Dan's going to meet us on up in uh, near Spring Lake or wherever we're going to be launching from. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which spot we go out. We've been using that same ramp the last few years. The only challenge with that ramp is it's, in fact, you might even have a problem with that ramp, Jim. Does you, do your boat draw much more? I mean, it probably, because Jim Kleeman was pretty much churning the bottom coming in and out of that spot. Oh, well, we'll wait and see. Yeah. It's a really steep ramp. It's a one for anybody who wants to know, you go to the Scuba Obsessed YouTube page, and it's the one where we launched all the gear off the back of the of Bob's car. 
Uh, and it just because oh. it's it's really steep going on down. And then what it does is they've dredged a channel from the boat ramp, and it kind of comes just the same way as in St. Joe. There's one specific way you got to go across the river. Yeah. It's the same thing with this place. They've got it buoyed, but the buoys are a little obscure as to what they mean. And you got to get to the buoys. And sometimes that's half the challenge when you're coming. Uh, I think we did good coming out, but it was coming back in trying to find the right channel to come in and, and get back up. So, uh, I don't think we didn't quite have to get out of the boat to haul us around, which is probably good. Cause I bet that was about five feet of muck. Mm. Well, we'll check and see. Hopefully I'll have Max, uh, yeah. box with me and that'll let us not only take some good images of the iron sides, but also track our plot, mm-hmm. uh, going in and coming out. So I can just follow the line. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, See, Mac, you get any pawpaw lake or river diving since last time? No, we've been doing, like I said, we've got the Vanna, we've got in uh, Max Rack, and we've got in a good bit of searching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you did and some mowing the lawn. That up. Do we ever and have we've... the coordinates for the bump? I got to bug Jim on it. I thought he sent me what he had, and I don't know why that wasn't on the numbers. So I've got to find out what he's got. I haven't talked to him since. Well, it's been over a week now. And hit him up about the trip up north, too. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get that scheduled, see if we can at least yeah. get it. It'll, it'll take us a while of, of bugging him. Now, did, okay. did you have the alpha flag going there? Yeah. Cam was flying both the dive flag and alpha flag. Oh, wow. I've, I've wondered. And it was, so, it was so flat out there today, I was able to eat lunch sitting in a, a uh, yeah, life vest floating in the water. Wow. That is good. That's one way <laughs> the flies do. didn't get me, and I cooled off a little bit, too. And that sure is different than working or having your lunch and your cubit work, isn't it? Oh, it yeah. certainly is. <laughs> Rub it in, guys. <laughs> hey, we gotta do That's that. That's the nice thing about retirement is, you know, middle of the week is no different than the weekends. Other than that, there's more, you know, it's a little more crowded on the weekends. But you get a flat day. It doesn't matter what day it is. You know, Every I'm, day is a Saturday. I'm just convinced I'm never going to be able to retire. That's a sad thing. I, just, I went through my investment accounts and I'm looking and the amount of money that they say I need to have is just crazy. Yeah, let's talk offline. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, we we can talk offline. But that's that's where all the other business ventures come into play. Right. Which yeah, I got my tin cup and my pencils and it works for me. <laughs> well, I thought about becoming a prostitute, but I don't think I'd make much. Well, I was an industrial prostitute for many years and that was worthwhile, but uh what can I say? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Mac, did you see, and thanks everybody for sending us emails. Send us emails at the show at scuba obsessed and, uh, scuba obsessed.com. Got to add the.com on there. Uh, but we had, uh, somebody gave you a shout out, Mac. Yes. I got that from you. Thank you. Yep. It says, uh, it was from one of our listeners and fans, uh, Virginia. She said, just wanted to let you know that I enjoy your podcast, even though I am not a diver yet. I am looking into training here in St. Louis, the local college has classes. Missouri is full of rivers and streams, and many are very dangerous. Just kayaking and sometimes is dangerous enough. Please say hello to the fellow podcasters and tell, uh, what is that, uh, Tortuga Viejo? Yep. I'm glad he's still flying and diving. His sense of humor adds a lot to the show. Take care and be safe. So thank you, Virginia. We appreciate that. And uh, now, do you, have you been chatting stories with her, Mac? Is that how she knows you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> you get your daughter to write in again, Mac? (laughs) (laughs) Now you're telling secrets. (laughs) Well, down in Missouri, we've had quite a few 
people I've corresponded with in Missouri who are wanting to do some scuba diving. So uh, well, I know it's Ed Dwar works down there in St. Louis. Who is Ed? Okay, yeah, I I, I no, know no. there's uh, dive shops down there. Well, you still got Bonterre down, uh, Mine down there, do you know? Yep, Bonterre's uh, yeah. down that way, and but you even got just regular. There's a lot of dive shops. I don't think there's a ton of local diving, but I also my sneaky suspicion is that there's not a lot of local diving because people aren't diving. I think if we had, if Missouri had their version of a Mac, they would find some diving spots. Because when I'm down there, it's where my the company I work for is. Uh, is out of and i ask people you dive this lake you dive this lake and everybody goes no who dive that and that's the same thing i used to hear about the lakes we go scuba diving in around here so uh, everybody used to say that about papa what papa yeah papa singer more for me to find yeah so there's spots and you just there's and there's going to be times of the year you're going to go drop in a lake and it's going to be two inches you go why would anybody go on that but it's not that way all the time now, the disadvantage I think they have down in Missouri is ice diving is, is a pretty rare event. They, they don't tend They're to. They're probably glad of it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we thank you for that. You can also make sure you visit the website, www.scubaobsessed.com. Uh, if you haven't put your pin in the fan map, go to About uh, Scuba Obsessed Fans and click on there and add your pin. You get to see where all the other divers are as well. Probably have some in your area. Be nice to get one from you know every state, every country in there. Uh, but it's it's we've maybe we even need to go for continent. I don't think we've got anybody from Africa. So Africa, South America, put some pins in. You know we've got like we've got Europe and Asia seem to do pretty well, even Middle East. But yeah. Yeah. The heck with the pins. Send money. That was send money. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We're we're gonna do some reformatting of the show coming up here. Maybe we'll, that will be one of the things that we'll we'll add money. Uh, <laughs> You just just send just hey, send it in. I did see an ad in the paper uh-huh. that you might be interested in. The uh, local rabbi is looking for an assistant to help him help him with circumcisions. <laughs> Doesn't pay much, but the tips are great. Uh, I, I, I I that's something else I got to do. Show I got to get the sound effects going. I've got new computers coming in the next couple of weeks. So, in fact, I was about ready to do a migration tonight, and I didn't have Skype was giving me fits, and I didn't have my microphone i have a special audio driver for my microphone and didn't have that moved over let's see what else we got some other things this this ended up being a a longer show oh we had the mud club meeting this week so that was nice to see everybody again quite a few pretty good attendance showed up for that and then jim you had some some stuff uh working with uh the museum you can now view the friends goodwill Yes, Friends Goodwill, the toll ship, uh, is going to be making a trip from South Haven, Michigan, over to Chicago. And then they're going to be working their way up north through the Straits of Mackinac over into Ontario, or actually Lake Erie, but they'll be going to Ontario. uh, And then down into Lake Erie uh, to be part of the fleet that is going to reenact the um, battle on Lake Erie from the War of 1812. And so that'll be taking place on Labor Day near Put-In Bay. And then after that, uh, they'll be coming back uh, to South Haven. So they'll be gone for 42 days. I believe it's 42 days from like the beginning of August through the middle of September. And you can follow them uh, through the AIS system, Automatic Identification System, 
if you just look for Friends Goodwill, and if you need any information on it, send a note to Darren at the show, and we'll get some information posted or get something in show notes about it. Yeah, so if you like to stalk naval vessels, there's no better way to do it. It tells you right where it's at. So if it's it's near your port, you can come out and take a peek at it. Beautiful ship. Yeah, they'll be part of the tall ship regattas uh, sailing the Great Lakes this year. Every three years, the tall ships come into the Great Lakes through the ASTA, American Sail Training Association. They sponsor the tall ship parades. And so they will be in Chicago at the beginning of, September, or beginning of August and then hitting other ports, Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake Erie, and then uh, back back out through Ontario for the ones that are going back out to the East Coast. Very cool. Yeah, that'd be a long trip for Friends Goodwill to go all the way to the East Coast and back. Yeah, but uh, six weeks away this year. Uh, so if you're interested in getting a ride, you need to come to South Haven, Michigan and take a cruise on the tall ship, uh, Friends Goodwill, before August the 5th. And just a little shameless plug, if you happen to be listening to us through iTunes, why don't you give us a five-star review? We appreciate that. Leave us a little comment. That, that gets us more listeners and more traffic. So we certainly appreciate that. We're glad you're listening. Thank you again for everybody in the chat room. Had quite a good night. Let's see. Mac, you got anything to plug? Not today. Not today. Yeah, if you're out wet. there and you're not getting wet, there's absolutely nothing I can say about you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a better way to cool off. It's the but middle see, of summer. Get I was gonna, out there. I was going to say, I've got a wetsuit to plug. but. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're, we've gotten to that time of the show. You guys ready? Oh, man. Yeah, I've been hanging on waiting for it. <laughs> okay, well, I promise you I, that this is a bad joke. So. Is that unusual? No, no, that's pretty much a requirement. But so, some tend to be so bad that they're almost good. And I, I think this one's going to qualify as just plain bad. A scuba diver is stranded on an island with only a Doberman and a pig for company. There's plenty of food and water and the weather is beautiful, so he's doing all right. But after a few months, he gets kind of lonely. If you know what I mean, the pig starts to look more and more attractive, soft, pink flesh, round buttocks, etc. Every time <laughs> this poor guy makes an advantage, advance towards the pig, the Doberman snarls at him and almost bites his leg. One day, the guy sees a speck on the horizon, so he swims out there. It turns out to be a dinghy cast adrift. In the bottom of the boat is a beautiful woman, unconscious. He drags her to the shore, brings her to his hut, slowly nurses her back to health. Finally, she is well enough to walk, and she says to him, Thank you. Thank you so much for saving my life. I don't know how I can ever repay you. I'll do anything, anything at all. Just name it. The diver thinks for a minute and says, Would you mind taking my dog for a walk? (laughs) I don't get it. I think that lived up to it. Good night, Gracie. (laughs) Good thing you didn't say where that diver was from. (laughs) I I didn't want to disparage anybody in particular. Oh, there's something I don't... Okay. (laughs) So, on that one, until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And no pigs were harmed in the making of tonight's show. But then again, they haven't walked the dog yet.
recording has been completed. Well, gentlemen, I'm about to turn into a pumpkin, so I'm going to leave you bees to your own devices.